Hello, welcome to The Runner on the Air. My name is Blake McKee, and today's segment is going to be dedicated for the Halloween season. Last week, Adamary Lopez released an opinions piece about her top five scary movies for the season, so I decided to do my own alongside CSUB student Trenton Sorcy. We hope you enjoy the interview. So with me today, I have second year business major from CSUB that goes by the name of Trenton Sorcy. Not only is he a fellow CSUB student, He's also a horror writer and composer for his self-ran band, The New Revenge. For that reason, I thought he would be perfect to reach out to for our spooky topic today. So let's do a side-by-side countdown of our top five picks of uh, spooky, scary movies for the Halloween season. And we'll just give each other a brief explanation for why we placed each movie where. So uh, you may go first, my good sir. Well, right. So my first favorite uh, movie... Um, in no particular order, I just really like these movies, um, would be, uh, the original Halloween movie with Michael Myers. Good choice. Uh, I'm a huge fan. I have, I just bought a Michael Myers mask from the 2018, uh, sequel. Um, the Halloween franchise is an amazing franchise and like is among the first slashers in the genre and really set the stage for a lot of horror movie to come. It may be the, one of the most convoluted stories out there with the, its mini sequels, but it is a solid horror film. Right on. So this is like the the original like one of them. Are you going by 2018? Uh no, this is the 1973. 1973 version. Yes, they, they've remade it once, but they... Okay, so they've made many different timelines for this, and then they had sure. one full re- reboot that Rob Zombie did. Um, but, like, there's a few timelines, but it all is the same kind of story except for the Rob Zombie ones, which Rob Zombie's version is pretty decent, too. Okay. All right. Good stuff, good stuff. Would you say the Rob Zombie rendition lives up to the franchise uh the hype or do you think maybe it underperforms there's a lot of there's a lot of opinions on a lot of things different it's it's i would not necessarily equate it with the original but i would say that it is a solid horror movie on its own i don't when it comes to movies like that as long as it says some of the same energy it's more of a raw zombie film than it is a halloween film uh, I if feel anyone's that. seen any of his horror movies or anything, you could kind of get that understanding from the film. Uh, he does a lot of cursing and adds a lot of grotesque stuff to his films, um, which it, it, and they're always very stylized. Yes. So uh, it's enjoyable, but it's not necessarily for everyone. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, to give off. Uh... Since we're not going in any particular order, one of my uh, top five I had listed was actually House of a Thousand Corpses, which is uh, another Rob Zombie flick. I, I personally feel like no uh, Halloween like watch list is complete without some form of like medium with Rob Zombie. Whether you like him or not, like that guy lives for the spooky, you know. Yes, and the Firefly family. Yeah, kick some butt. Oh. Oh, it's great. And like, I, 
House of a Thousand Corpses, it's, it's not necessarily a scary movie, but it's one of those movies. It's a little grotesque, it's one of the, though. It's grotesque, but it's one of those movies where after you watch it, you go, what did I just watch? Yeah, it's an acid trip it's, of a movie. Yeah, so it's a total acid trip, and it's, it's like a shock value movie, too. Oh, definitely. So, uh, yeah, and, you know, Captain Spaulding, like that opening scene, Captain Spaulding, like, come get some chicken and gasoline. Like, oh, and, Oh, it's just such a shame that he's such an it's it's a huge shame. I I big sad, big sad, sad. you know, and yeah. So for your and I one last thing I'll say about this Rob Zombie movies in general is that even though they don't do well in the box office, you know, like he has a tendency to make like cult films where like they have like these huge underground followings, and he like he's great at creating these like iconic characters. He's, he's, I think he makes them with the intention of them becoming cult classics because he has such a fan base for a Rob Zombie film or Rob Zombie music or whatever. It's people love the man more than the product and that makes it the thing. Not saying that his products are bad. That's why that he, there's such a fan base for him that his products are great in their own special way yeah and as i guess my last comment with no the house of thousand corpse rob zombie in general is like i just respect the fact that he's not trying to impress anyone he makes the kind of movie he wants to make and like that's what you get so i i honor that but uh moving on what would you place as your number four um i would probably put uh the it movies um as my number four spot, uh, the sequel wasn't as strong as uh, the new for the new 2018 or what, whenever the last ones came out. Um, they were the especially the first one of part one and two um, was a very strong film. It was very aesthetically pleasing, and it was um, very stylized in the way that it was done. And had a lot of things for the people who liked looking close at a film. I thought it was very well done. The effects were great. And it had some solid kills. And uh, if you know anything about me and horror movies, I love a good kill. Totally. That's it's a classic, you know. we got to have those good cathartic uh, murders. You know, some blood squirts. Some uh, ripping apart. Getting arms eaten off. In my next few movies, I'll talk about. I'm a huge fan of the like, not CG kills, though like physical yeah. like props. The practical. Like I love practical effects with. one hundred percent. Halloween is a great has a great amount of practical kills, uh, because they didn't have much of a budget for the original. It has a lot of CG kills, but it's not that it. It's not done badly. It there's some movies that do CG bad, like uh, some of the Final Destination movies. Not to say they're bad movies, but a lot of them will go over CG or like be oh yes we have 3D animation so we're gonna go ahead and make you look at something poking at the screen. Right, and it's just kind of just cheesy. I mean, I can dig some cheesy. But it's just a little over the top. That I feel. 
But uh, coming full circle with your uh, point on it, the first movie, I remember seeing it in theaters with my uh, older sister and being absolutely terrified and like jumping at everything. But personally, I felt like the movie didn't have a whole lot of rewatch value. Like in this, in the sense for like coming back to the like the, the movie, I was like, you know, like the CGI is like monsters and like aren't that convincing, you know? And for the first one or the second one? Well, I guess the first one. I mean, ultimately, the first I think the per- first one is definitely the better of the two. Very much so. The second one was enjoyable, but like it again, I like I wasn't really with CG. I think yeah, I wasn't really ever scared in the second one. And I think part of it too is because I'd seen Pennywise so much that like when he showed up, I was more like, oh hey, it's it's uh, Bill Skarsgård and his uh, his makeup than I was actually scared. Because in the first movie, when he's like first showing up, it's like when he shows up, you're like, oh crap. There was after the first It came out, and it was such a big hit. Um. And I think this happened after the Tim Curry version as well. The everyone got flushed with images of him, so it kind of yeah. desensitized the audience to him. Absolutely. Uh, I would argue that there is a lot of rewatch value to the first chapter of it, especially if you're looking for a lot of details that's in the background. Oh, true, um, true. If you, I've rewatched it looking for details. I actually did a watch at 25 percent speed just to pick out all the details and stuff like that. And sure, there's lots sure. of references to other uh, works of King. Um, there's And if you look in the background of a lot of scenes where their Pennywise is messing with the kids but hasn't fully appeared, you can see that other people are looking at the kids with malicious intent, implying that Pennywise is transformed into those people. Right. Or like they're part of that like uh, illusion yeah, it's a, it's, it's a very well crafted to make it a scarier movie because even if you don't like like perceive it the first time around, it adds to the eeriness of the scene for your sure. Oh, absolutely. So to transition over to my next one, it's I would say I'm gonna do the original Nightmare on Elm Street, 1984, and I feel like that movie suffers from the same phenomenon that um it does where like it was such a fascinating like terrifying like freddy krueger this like child molester who'd been like burned in a furnace has knives a knife finger uh, glove it's, it's creepy whenever he does show up it's really eerie but like he became such a household name and like they got to the point so we're like as as the sequels came out for that series they got like more slapstick like to the point to where like they like they were like making like comic book like funny like movies yeah it 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 stopped being and child's the child's play movies are also um, absolutely guilty of this absolutely stopped being about the horror and became more of a comedy and I'm I can love a horror comedy, but it's I it's sad to see such a great horror movie become just a full slapstick. And I'm I cringe at some of it, like like when uh, the Freddy Krueger goes around saying "bitch" all the time. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of a joke, a punchline. It, it stops being about 
oh, yes, this is a scary guy. Oh, no, this guy's hilarious. Let's see him kill some people. And I mean, I can dig it, but it's it was such a great story beforehand. And then it went a little south, in my opinion. Yeah, and I think that's partly partially due because they were trying to sell toys. Like, they had Pez dispensers of, of Freddy and stuffed animals, and kids thought he was cool. So I, I guess I get why they toned down, like, the creep factor. But yeah, that's my, uh, my number four pick. So our number three, in no particular order, what is yours, Mr. Trenton? Um, I'll go ahead and start talking about the Conjuring movies. Ah, excellent. I really enjoyed the first one. The first Conjuring movie was very interesting because it's based off of some true people. I know it's dramatized a lot. Sure. And I'm not necessarily the hugest believer in ghosts, but I'm I'm not against it. But it, uh, it was cool because there were people who actually existed and like there's historical documents and videos of some of the people in the Conjuring movies to see it adds an extra layer of like eeriness to the movie to say these people experienced something like this. Yeah. In interviews yeah. with some of the people who were in the mo- were portrayed in the movie um they especially the last scene of the first movie I won't put too many spoilers for the people listening but um, the uh, the daughter, or it was one of the kids, who experienced the finale of the movie in real life, said it was almost um, exactly how they remembered it. Okay. Which was, it put me on edge and made me love the series more. Right, because it brings that like real factor to it. So like like you said, you're like, so, like, it makes you kind of contemplate the supernatural, the paranormal. Yeah. Right on. Yes. I do think they went a little too much with the Annabelle movies, but if you were kind of talk about the whole Conjuring, because it, it just kind of dug a little deeper into the hole of all that. And The Nun, I didn't hate The Nun when I first saw it, but it they it seemed more like they were trying to get as much money out of the series as they could before before the hype died down. Right. Milk in the franchise. Yeah. Well I do I did appreciate Annabelle Comes Home though. Okay. I saw that one in theaters and that one was I had a lot of aesthetically pleasing ghouls. Absolutely. Yeah. That that was a fun one. I watched that one with my fiance when it came out. Yes, I, I especially liked uh the guy with the coins on his eyes or whatever that guy was called. Um, mm-hmm. That it, w- I really enjoyed all like the the ghouls because I it was less of a um, Annabelle movie as much as it was a um, Conjuring movie that the Warrens and Ed and Lorraine were not in. It was more about her their kid experiencing like all of the ghouls. That's what I'll call them. Right on. Good stuff. So uh, transitioning over to my number three uh, is, would be the 2003 Texas Chainsaw Massacre film. Now, another franchise that has many adaptations. And similar to The Conjuring, 
the 2003 Texas Chainsaw movie has a similar claim where it's like, oh, this is actually like rooted in some truth, right? Because it, well, Kemper, at first, not Ed Kemper. Who, who was this? Uh, Ed, Ed Gein, or Ed, Ed Gein or Ed Gein. Yeah. Ed Gein. And it basically, was a guy who, you know, would go to like a graveyard and harvest bodies and then use the skin to make like furniture. It, it was like, that's kind of like the kill people as well. Yeah. Ed Gein is, uh, I did a lot of research on, I'd love serial killers. I find them very <laughs> interesting. Very spooky. Not not an invite for any serial killer to come and introduce themselves to me. But uh, I find the psychology of serial killers very interesting. And I studied Ed Gein a lot. And there's actually a, a museum in of like scary stuff in Las Vegas that has the pot that he would cook and eat people in. Oh, gruesome. It's just eerie as heck. I hope they watched it before they put it on display. Oh, I hope so too. But, you know, like that was one of those things. When they said, oh, based on a true story, that terrified the crap out of me. And I actually, like, to myself, was like, I'm never going to Texas. Like, I, I will never go to the state of Texas. And then when I found out, it was, like, loosely based off of, a you know, the serial killer who's now long past. And then I realized that apparently, like, a handful of slasher movies have been based off of Ed Gein. Anything with cannibalism. So I was like, ah, it's cheating. Ah, it's cheating. So now I'm not that scared of it. But, yeah. So transitioning over, what would be your number two on your list, I'd say, my friend? Uh, Scream. Scream. The, the original, I wouldn't go as far as the sequels as much, but the original Scream is, in my opinion, a horror comedy masterpiece. It's Wes Craven, right? Wes Craven's uh, Scream is... He also directed uh, some of the uh, uh, Nightmare on Elm Streets. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's even referenced. I, I like... Scream because it revived the horror genre when it was about to die. Right. Uh, it did. At the same time, I do dislike that it mm. its effect on the horror scene because it made everything just uh, overly meta. Which I mean, okay, I can respect it, but it was it stopped being about the story. And started being about, oh, serial killers do serial killer stuff. Right. And, uh, but the original was very well done. I, I quote it sometimes when I so- see people in public. I'll sometimes do a little blocked call and say, hey, you want to, what's your favorite scary movie? Oh, I've done I that see. a few times to people. Um, they always go, Trent, is that you? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> but uh, Scream was revolutionary for the horror movie scene during the time that it came out because it uh, got people into it. And Ghostface, the face of the serial killer um, and stuff like that, and became iconic and is used in many movies. Well. Absolutely. Yeah, I I think that's probably part of the secret to making a good horror movie. It's not the only criteria, but one of the important parts of making a horror film, a successful one, 
is that iconic character. Something that kids want to dress up as every Halloween. Definitely. You know? So yeah, good good stuff. Uh, so for my number two, I'm actually going to go with a little more of a unpopular movie or maybe just a less known. It's called Clown. It's from 2016. And basically, to give you the premise of it, there's this dad. He's, he's dressing up as a clown, like a bozo the clown for his son's birthday. And like, it, they're like living in this new house and he happened to find this like costume in the basement. He's like, oh, that's convenient. Puts it on. And after the party, he realizes that he's having a really hard time taking the suit off. Like, he, like the zipper's gone. Uh, his, like the actual wig is like infused with his scalp on his head. And like the little clown nose is actually like become part of his flesh. And he's like, what the heck is going on? Right? Kind of reminds me of one of the Goosebump movies where the girl puts on a mask and then... Yes, the mask! Absolutely. And it becomes part of you. So basically, that's what happens. And it's one of those movies where, again, it's not that scary. Unless you're terrified of clowns. It's not that scary, but there's just a lot of shock value. Because, like, for instance, there's a scene where... He again, he's like, I'm going to get this nose off. So he has like a, I think a pair of pliers and he's sitting there trying to like rip it off of his face. And you, you're just, you're just sitting there just like cringing the whole time, like, oh, make it stop. Just keep it, dude. It's okay. And he goes to the ER, you know, because they're like, yo, dude, you just like butchered your nose. But yeah, I, I picked that one. It, I will admit, it has really odd pacing. It goes really fast in certain parts and really slow in other parts. But I think it's worth a mention. Kind of like how Saw is at times. Yeah, it just it goes really fast, and then like, kind of nothing's happening. Mm-hmm. But that's probably why it's not that popular is because of the pacing. Probably. Yeah, I, I hadn't heard of it before, but it may be one I'd be looking into. Absolutely, I totally recommend it. You can watch it on uh, Tubi. It's a free streaming service. This has ads on it. You know, so about every 15, 20 minutes, an ad pops up, but no big deal. Like YouTube, right? Yeah. Yeah. Totally safe. Anyways, uh, transitioning to our final number one, and again, in no particular order, what do you have for us, Mr. Sorcy? I think I'll do a mention of the Friday the 13th franchise. Hey. hey. Friday the 13th was, again, another revolutionary movie for the horror movie franchise that really took it from, oh, scary movies and not really know the 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 reason you'd want to watch a scary movie to scary movie that was an amazing movie i can go see in a scary movie yeah it did have the con of steel being a franchise of during the time of uh screams revolutionary re- revolution it did have the con of being around during Scream's Revolution of every movie's going to be a comedy during in horror. So it it got a little bit of that uh, cringe to it during its, its phrase. And it did get a little bit of stall out during the end with some movies like uh, Jason Takes Manhattan, which is, yeah. I don't even call it that. I call it Jason on a Boat. Yeah, it's just uh, a throwaway movie. Like, uh, there's... I love some of the sequels. Some of the sequel I find uh, one and two are probably the best, but 
it's cool to see Jason in different situations. Sure. There are some ones that are really bad, like Jason Mate takes Manhattan or uh, Jason Goes to Hell. Not a fan of Jason Goes to Hell, mainly because Jason's not really in it. He just possesses people, and it's just like... Yeah, it's, it's a stretch. Yeah, not a fan of that one, but it does... There's a lot of good movies. Like, forget the one off the top of my head, but my favorite is the one where he basically goes up against someone with the same par- powers uh, as Stephen King's Carrie. Okay. And that one's probably my favorite because it has essentially what is a Carrie storyline, but she ends up fighting Jason. And it, it's uh, really cool to watch. Good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah, for sure. I, I remember watching the Jason Goes to Hell. That was probably the first Friday the uh, 13th movies starting I watched week starting off week it, it was pretty weird you know and it Friday the 13th suffers from a similar thing that Nightmare on Elm Street has where like they made so many movies and like there'd be like new directors and new writers for each story so they tried to take the lore somewhere else but then the movies just contradict each other so hard but like you still love it because it doesn't matter if it's consistent because it's like a myth. It's like Greek myth. Like there's variations, but it's it all has the same origin point. Cool. Yeah. So for my final pick, I have Sinister. Mm. Uh, so this is a movie. This is one of the probably the first horror movies I think I watched in theaters. I watched it on a Halloween night with my mom and my buddy uh, Sean, good friend from my teenage years, and that movie was just so eerie. I and just I, watched it a few months ago. It is a solid yeah. movie. Solid movie, you know. It's uh I think what adds to it too is it's one of those movies where uh the main like demonic entities like Mr. Boogie or Boogal or Boogool or Bagool, whatever you want to call it. Uh he, he what happens is there's this guy, he moves to the house, he's trying to solve this new crime, he's trying to find plot holes or missing details to see if he can solve the case to write a new book get a second shot at fame and while he's at his house he finds like these like reels of tape and he's like oh i'm gonna watch these and it basically it's like all of these like families that had been like murdered in like previous years like unsolved cases and he's like what the heck and then each of these tapes um mr boogie he like pops up for a glimmer you know anytime you like get a glimpse of him it's just totally spine chilling because you're like you want to see more of him at the same time you're like i don't i want to see him from like a distance (laughs) you know he's he's pretty terrifying and i thought it was very interesting and i i love the plot of like um it's a little bit of a spoiler for the first one but if you watch the sequels you know that the kids are the ones that do all the uh dirty work right and he's like yeah because the boogie possesses the kids you think that he's going to possess the lead father character in the first one but as the sequels go on and the first one it's very and i I find it even scarier watching it over again knowing that the kid's being possessed in the background without like you being focused on the kid right because there's so much this background noise going on and like spooky stuff going on that you like it's like in plain sight like the kids are like doing stuff and you don't even like notice yeah it's crazy 
it's but yeah. a very solid story. It's I think the second one's not necessarily as strong as the first one, but definitely the first not. one is one of the better written horror movies in the 21st century. Yeah, I, I personally think... Uh, I don't really even think that that series really ever needed a sequel because I, I feel like the sequel kind of did that thing where it overexposed the Mr. Boogie and then he kind of lost his effect and they focused so much on like the the past um, like uh, captured souls of the children and Milo was like the main antagonist and I wasn't really scared of Milo. I just thought it was I enjoyed seeing them open up the world like it, that's true it added. It added more dimension. I think maybe it, it may be a, a reach, but in the same way that Star Wars, after the original one, went back in time and did the, you see the whole world of before the Empire. Sure. It shows how deep the world is and how much bigger the world is than yeah, just a true. little bit of screen time you get to see. Yeah. more expansive yes awesome well that that uh i think wraps it for our top fives both of our personal top fives thank you for your time trenton and we enjoyed having you all right thank you